I can make your life longer and more enjoyable. Now that is a bold claim, but I mean it. And I'm going to share with you how. I'm your host, Andrew Silito. This podcast is a result of my purpose to help ambitious business owners like you avoid stress, overwhelm, and burnout in the workplace. In this podcast, I share everything I've learned about how to grow a profitable business, stay fit and healthy, maintain strong relationships, and develop the right mindset for success. So you can thrive, feel inspired, and work at your full potential. Now, if you're a focused professional, you probably take your business very, very seriously. You're a hyper achiever, and maybe you take things too seriously and you become overwhelmed or you spread yourself too thinly and unknowingly the quality of your work may drop. Now this has certainly been my experience as an athlete and as a business leader and I often wonder how much better I could have been if I'd had a little bit more fun when competing. Maybe I'd have expressed myself differently and taken the time to laugh at myself, to be silly, to have some fun at my own expense. And when we learn to lighten up and not spread ourselves too thinly, our quality of work and our performance improves. I've seen it over and over again. I've experienced it myself. So this is about playing to your strengths, about enjoying the moment. Otherwise, I fear that life will pass us by and we'll wonder where the time has gone. So this is about how do we make time for fun? It's often said when someone's lying on their deathbed, they rarely mention in those last moments that they'd wish they'd worked more. Now we hear this over and over again. And you know, maybe they wish they'd seen more or traveled more, loved more, but rarely do they say, I wish I'd worked more. I wish I'd spent more time in the office. Now, humans are extremely capable of adapting and evolving. You know, if we we listen to our bodies and and respond in certain ways, we we understand that, you know, when there's a fire, we keep a safe distance. If we're feeling thirsty, we'll drink more water. However, when it comes to our work, we just stop listening to our bodies. We push through things that make us feel uncomfortable. We'll work longer at our desks, we'll work weekends, we'll check our emails before going to bed or just before we go to sleep. We stop listening to our bodies and we work against our bodies and what our bodies are telling us. Your work is better when you're happy. But this fact we simply ignore when we become so focused on the business. It's as if getting as many sadness points as possible will make us somehow seem braver or or more hardcore to our peers. When I think back to school, you know, and the learning that I embarked on, it, it was often the lessons in the, the playground that made the most sense. You know, it wasn't the, the lessons in the classroom that stuck with me. It was the ones, it was the, those streetwise moments that you learn in, in the playground. You know, that break time when you saw the kids sitting there eating sandwiches on their own, you know, the new kid. And you'd go over with your friends and you would, you'd ask them what their name was and if they'd like to play football with you. And it wasn't necessarily because you want to be friends with them. It's probably just because you needed a goalkeeper. You know, and I think about the, the kid who isn't top of the class when it comes to maths and science. But when it came to the 100 meters, he broke the school record by like th- 10 seconds or whatever, three seconds. But the pride that, that he took in that, all right, albeit he was maybe a little bit taller and a little bit hairier than everybody else and a bit more advanced. Fact was, that was his pride. You know, that's what he, what he re- probably remembers for the rest of his life. So I remember itching for the lunchtime bell, right? And, and because we knew that after sitting at our desks, which felt like days, we'd soon be able to get out and have a laugh and, and most of all play. And those games we used to play at break time were so important. But as we've got older, those games, that playfulness that we used to you know, experience, 
now is turned into this occasional way day, which is a bit awkward and a bit clunky. Half the team don't want to be there. It happens once a year and we're trying to force people to be happy because everybody thought it through. That time spent away from the desk when we were young was so important for our confidence, for our development, for our happiness as a way to connect with each other, connect with ourselves. And it's better than any correct answer in English class. So what changed? What happened? Well, for the most part, we grew up. We started to grow up and we got too serious. For me, yes, somewhat reluctantly due to a combination of kind of a Peter Pan mindset that I have and this kind of happy disposition that I I think I've inherited from somewhere in my still obsession with playing street hockey. So I've kind of resisted growing up. But as I said earlier, there have been times when I've just taken life way too seriously, too focused and lost that playfulness. And as a result, my ability to perform, whether it's at work or in sports, definitely dropped. And I've seen this in other grown-ups you know, around me. I've seen them get really serious. And I remember promising myself that I wouldn't become like that. But when I think back you know, my, to my younger self, I, I was competitive. And I was probably more competitive than you. you know? See, I can't even, I have to be more competitive at being competitive. But as I became an athlete or as a business leader, it became clear to me that whilst I never lost that competitive edge that began when I was little, and okay, some of the, the goalposts have, have moved you know, from wanting to win sports day, although I still haven't lost a dad's sports day, but I, I'm sure that day will come, especially living in the Czech Republic where every man seems to be just a specimen of an athlete, every father here. But anyway, I, I'm digressing. But from winning gold medals as a coach and in global sports and events, those prizes in some ways have, have got bigger, but the rewards have got smaller. And more than that, they've cost me dearly. You know, I, I shared this in my first podcast, this, this new podcast, Balance Living in a Complex World, about my father's sort of rise and fall and then me following a similar pattern. Our goals as we get older, they do get bigger, you know, whether it's a bigger mortgage, bigger holidays, more expensive cars, all these things that sort of drive us. Now we've got to have a home system in the house, you know, all this stuff that in some ways feels like it's, it's bigger, the, the, the challenges with clients, all this stuff, it becomes more complicated, more complicated, but the results or the rewards do seem to cost us. So we've got to have some fun. We've got to have some fun on the way. So for me, success is not the prize at the end. And I know this sounds a bit fluffy. It's the journey, not the destination, but it's not the prize at the end. And often people, you know, they start a job because they're passionate about what they do day to day, the mastery, the, the purpose behind it. You know, what Daniel Pink talks about in his book, what the surprising truth about what motivates us, this idea of having purpose and autonomy and mastery. I think we lose that. You know, you think about how many children want to be an astronaut or a football player, or in my son's case, a a dinosaur when they grow up. It's not that they want to be acknowledged by NASA or playing the the World Cup final necessarily, you know, after a season, have a long season of injuries, you know, which often comes with it, or live near a volcano, which my, my son seems to be absolutely petrified of volcanoes and obsessed with lava. But anyway, it's because those things are good and fun and cool. You know, being a dinosaur around the house. You know, I look at my son and look at how creative he's being with it. And we lose that creativity. We've just, we just lose it. And how do we bring that back into our work? And it should be the work that brings us joy, not just the goal. You know, back to that mastery. And another example for me would be an Oscar winner. You know, I talk about this in one of our leadership programs, you know, name the top three Oscar winners the last year. Most people can't remember the top three male Oscar winners the last three years. 
most people can't remember, even though they're the perhaps the reckon, most recognized people in the world in some ways. But anybody that wins an Oscar, that's not the ultimate goal for them. Otherwise, if it was the ultimate goal, actors would, would stop working, right? They would say, well, I've done it. I've been there and I've done it. You know, and I think, I mean, look at Nicolas Cage. He won an Oscar in 1993. Did you know that? Did you know he won an Oscar in 1993? I didn't actually know that until I did some research for this podcast. But I don't want to be mean to Nicolas Cage here. But is there an argument that since 1993, he's gone into every single movie with the focus of winning an Oscar and forgotten about the mastery of his craft, which is why not all his movies have done very well since then. He's had some, some big movies, and I'm probably being a little bit mean here. But my point is that when we become obsessed with the result, we forget about the process. We forget about the mastery. We forget about having fun and enjoying that, that moment. And then let the results come. You know, when we focus on our, our bodies and our relationships and our mindset, we know the business benefits. When we focus on doing things on our body that we enjoy, you know, doing exercise that's fun and not worrying about whether you're going to get a six pack or drop, you know, a few kilos in weight, just let that be the byproduct of just having fun and being playful in your exercise or doing stuff you love. For me, it's the kettlebell. I love it. I love because I love the mastery of the kettlebell swing. No one ever does a perfect kettlebell swing. You just don't. The relationship with my wife is never going to be perfect, ever, ever. It's like, I mean, talk about the, the daily challenge, mastery. I mean, it, it is, it's an ongoing thing, right? If you're in a marriage, you know it is effort, and you, but you have to enjoy the moment to be present with our children, to, to be aware of these things and enjoy that moment, not to say, I'm my children, when they grow up, they're going to be amazing individuals who go off to university or do whatever or whatever the measure is for you for a successful child. No, it's, it's about what are we doing right now and how am I experiencing my time as a father, as a husband with my children and doing the inner work, the mindfulness work so that we are practicing mindfulness, not sitting there and thinking I've got to be perfect at meditation because the thoughts come into your head and you get distracted and you think, oh, I can't do meditation. It's because it's a practice, right? Being a leader is a practice. You practice every day at being a leader in your organization. If you go to work tomorrow trying to be a perfect leader, you are going to be very disappointed with yourself because you're not going to reach that objective. To have an expectation like that is going to end in failure, right? So leadership is a practice. Being an entrepreneur is a practice. Exercise, see it as a practice. Stretching, moving the body, swinging the kettlebell, you know, making it a practice. Relationship is a practice. You know, have some fun with this stuff, right? So I don't know, I'm a bit on the fence with Bill Gates, right? I'd love to hear your thoughts on Bill Gates and where you are with, with everything going on in the world at the moment. But one thing he did say is that he chooses a lazy person to do a hard job because a lazy person will find an easy way to do it. That kind of resonates with me. There are a couple of things that I think about. Firstly, if, it, if it's true, Bill Gates has a sense of humor, right? Because he sees the potential in people. And I doubt that he's, you know, he's got as far as he has. Maybe he's a sociopath. I don't know. Who knows, you know, this idea of, you know, these billionaire sociopaths. Love to hear your thoughts on that. But he hasn't got that far without doing something right. And the other thing about this quote, maybe smart, because when I, when I read it, there's a truth in it, right? It's not about staying at your desk longer than anyone else. It's not about how many family engagements you can miss to show your dedication to the company or to your entrepreneurialism. It's not about working harder. And as cliche as it sounds, it is about working smarter. And the only way we can work smart 
is if we have clarity. And the only, to have, the only way to have clarity is to do the work daily, to meditate, to practice. Otherwise, we're just on, in fight flight. And when we're in fight flight, our intellect drops. We don't see the wood from the trees. And we just keep doing the same thing over and over again. And we forget to play. We forget to have fun. And worst of all, we probably take it out on other people. So there was a reason why we had so many playtimes at school when we were younger. And yes, it's because the teachers are sick to death of children after just a few minutes with them. But also because setting time aside to play for laughter, for fun is all part of success. And we need to get back to playing as business leaders, metaphorically speaking, whatever play being playful means to you. You know, and I, I had a, a friend of mine who is an actor, right? And she was doing this show and she was really nervous about it. But the show was about her being an actor and following her dreams to become one. So it was like a, an autobiography, if you like. And it was a comedy. And she knew that she could make people laugh, but had a couple of slip-ups in, the, in kind of the early stages of the show when, when she first launched it. And she made a mistake, right? There was this big mistake she made. She said the completely wrong line and everybody knew it in the audience. And she stopped and she acknowledged it and made a joke about it. She said to, to the audience, no, I can't even get my own words right. And no wonder I couldn't get an agent as an actor. And it got the biggest laugh of the night. And it's those moments when we just make a fool of ourselves, but, but we work with it. We lean into it. And we like it when comedians mess up jokes you know, and own it. We like it when the waiter drops a tray of food and bows to the restaurant and everyone claps and they haven't taken themselves too seriously, right? Unless, of course, you're, you're incredibly hungry and it was your tray of food, then it, then it sucks. But we like to laugh and it's good for us. You know, there was a study in 2011 done by Dr. Ursula Bierman. She's a senior lecturer at the Institute of Psychology at the University of Innsbruck. And she looked at how people uh, reacted to themselves when they saw a reflection in a funhouse mirror. You know, those funhouse mirrors that make you look wide and thin and etc. And those who laughed at themselves the most had the fewest negative emotions and were more prepared to acknowledge that they were not the center of the universe. This is a really interesting one for me because this really resonates with me. And that's one of the reasons why I've installed Funhouse Mirrors in my office. They're all around me. That's not true. I just made it up. But I do try to laugh at myself more. And I try not to take myself as seriously. And, and I've reluctantly discovered that I am not the center of the universe, nor do I have the weight of the world on my shoulders. So I found it incredibly empowering and enlightening to let go of this stuff. And it allows me to stand a little bit taller and smile a little bit more as I do so. And there was a, another study in 2009 in Maryland which found that people who laughed more were less likely to suffer with heart disease. Not only that, the research found that it improves short-term memory and increases your pain threshold. This means, presumably, if you fall over and you laugh about it, you are far less likely to hurt yourself when you do so. So now, I'm not telling you that you should just run into walls and see how much pain you can tolerate when you laugh. But at the same time, you know, there's something in that. There's something in just laughing at herself and this natural painkiller. So next time you are, you know, it's, it's raining and a car drives past you and a puddle splashes you and you swear at them, by all means, you know, swear as loud as you can, but do it when they're out of sight. You know, maybe you just got to laugh about it. Make sure that you do look down at yourself and see the humor in it, right? Because it's, it's funny when you look back on it, right? You know, someone else saw you. Someone else saw you get splashed by water or perhaps you tripped up and fell over. You might as well laugh at yourself because someone else saw it and they probably did too. So you might as well laugh too. 
So put simply, laughing yourself makes you live longer. It makes you better to be around, makes you more fun. And the chances are you're going to improve as a result. You know, remember that your career is a marathon. It is not a sprint. Unless, of course, you're a sprinter, then it's exactly your career. But of course, you know, targets, goals, awards and medals, these are important. They do keep us motivated. They're, they're, it's a target, right? And we talk about targets in the mastermind. It's important. We want some accountability. But there should be other measures by which we judge ourselves and each other. So if you get to the end of the day and you feel like you've not laughed yet, you've probably been too careful. You know, one of our mantras, is playing safe is risky. Maybe you need to invest in a funhouse mirror. Maybe you need to dance like nobody's watching. Or if it all seems too much work for you, just fake it until you make it. You know, research has shown that the body gets as many benefits from fake laughing as it does from a genuine one. Sitting there for three minutes with a pencil between your teeth, forcing you to smile has an immediate positive impact on your body and mind. You might look a bit silly at work if you're doing it, but try it. Just put a pencil between your mouth and laugh. I've done laughter therapy. It was amazing. I did it live on LinkedIn. And there was this moment when I felt a little bit silly, but then I just let myself go and it was just liberating. It was just so, so good. Where I worked with this guy, Peter Can, the laughter man. So give him a shout out. You'll see him on LinkedIn. But he, he did this thing with me and he just got me laughing. And I, I was in hysterics and it felt, my day was just completely different from the rest of the day. So look, you know, I've shared some jokes with you. I hope it made you, it made you laugh. And then if they haven't, you know, just laugh anyway. It'll make me feel better. And I promise it will make you feel better too. So I said, I can make your life longer and more enjoyable. I know it was a bold claim, but all you have to do is lighten up and have some fun. Until next time, stay well. For more free resources and content on how to grow and lead your business and become the best version of yourself, head over to andrewsilito.com. 